Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. We had eight signs previously of the end time. And this ninth sign is the sign of the abomination of desolation. Mark 13, verse 14. Let's begin reading there. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him that is on the housetop not come down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house, let him that is in the field not turn back again to take up his garment. But woe to them that are with child and them that give suck in those days. And pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, for in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of the creation, which God created unto this time. Neither shall be. And except the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then, if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christs and false prophets shall rise, and shall uh, show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed... Behold, I have foretold you all these things. Now, we're giving you reasons why this is a terrible sign, and it's it's terrible, so it's just a terrible sign, because it is called the abomination of desolation. We've looked at it in Daniel. Let's peek at those once more. Daniel 9 and verse 24 through 27. Three places in the book of Daniel where... Daniel mentions the abomination of desolation. Chapter 9, beginning at verse 24, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem, Unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. And the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end thereof shall be for a flood, and unto the end of the war 
desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Find from that passage of scripture that this abomination of desolation takes place in the middle of the 70th week. The abomination of desolation is mentioned again in Daniel 11.31. Daniel 11.31. An arm shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolation. And then also in Daniel 12 and verse 11. And from that time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. We've looked at those three places, and I believe this is going to be finally fulfilled in the tribulation to come. We've probably seen some pictures of this in some of the history of Israel that to us now is history. It was prophecy to Daniel the destruction of the of temple in A.D. 70. Many people believe that that was the fulfillment of this prophecy. I don't think it was the complete fulfillment, but just a picture. We've also seen, in looking at this and comparing the Mark 13 passage with the Matthew 24 passage, where the Olivet Discourse is recorded, that there is a division of time. I think we have it here in Mark in verses 7 and 8. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. That same language is used by Matthew in Matthew 24 and verse number 8. These things are the beginning of sorrows. So we get, I do at least, get the impression that what we've read so far in Matthew, or in Mark, are the beginnings of sorrows, the first half of the tribulation. If the abomination of desolation takes place, the middle of the tribulation is where we put this abomination of desolation. So there's a, there's a division of the time uh, we even see that in Daniel's prophecy. Uh, the first half of the tribulation, second half of the tribulation, beginning of sorrows in the first half of the tribulation. In other places, let's see, got time and times, and a half a time mentioned in Daniel 7.25 and Daniel 12.7. In Revelation 12.6, we have 1260 days. In Revelation 11, verse 2, and 13, verses 5 and 6, we have 42 months mentioned. Uh, Let's go ahead to the book of Revelation and look at those. Revelation uh, chapters 11, 12, and 13. I think my position is that the middle of the tribulation takes place here in around chapters 12 and 13 of the book of Revelation. 
And so, if the book of Revelation is, is chronological, we have the trumpet judgments in the first half of the tribulation, which would be classified according to Ma- Matthew and Mark as the beginning of sorrows. Revelation 11 and verse 2, he's measuring, that one of the angels is measuring the temple. And he says, but the court is which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. That's a four, Forty-two months is equal to the three and a half years for the twelve hundred and sixty days. Chapter 12 and verse 6, the woman, which I believe is Israel, fled into the wilderness. I think that's corollary to what we've just read in Mark. Pray that your flight be not in the winter. So the woman Israel is fleeing from her persecutor, the Antichrist where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days, twelve hundred and sixty days. That would be the last half of the tribulation to protect Israel, because the the Antichrist makes this pact with Israel according to Daniel 9. uh, For the first half of the tribulation, breaks it in the middle of the tribulation after he uh, commits or does or uh, administers or whatever is going to happen with the abomination of desolation. And then look at chapter 13 of Revelation, verses 5 and 6. And there was given unto him a mouth, this is the Antichrist, speaking great things and blasphemies, either the Antichrist or the beast, speaking great things and blasphemy, and the power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So we have the tribulation divided into two halves. I think we got this far that we asked who or what is meant by the abomination of desolation. There are two events in to us past history. One in 170 B.C. when Antiochus Epiphanes destroyed the city of Jerusalem, and he did an act that would and could be classified as an abomination of desolation. And then again, in AD 70, when Titus, the Roman general, came in to destroy the city of Jerusalem, both of them did some things that could be classified as abomination of desolation. I don't know if I have all of those details, but offering salves on the altar, doing things with the temple prostitutes, or instituting temple prostitution, and defiling the temple, and things like that in history. I think that's going to come again. Something that's going to be classified as an abomination of desolation. Let's take a look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. I don't think we have any problem discerning who or what is meant by the man of sin. There is some discussion as to what the falling away is, but the man of sin is the Antichrist. He's going to be revealed. He's called the son of perdition. And then a description of him in verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 
And now it could be that, just the Antichrist setting himself up, very much like Nebuchadnezzar did. We think that Nebuchadnezzar made an image of himself, and that's what he had supposedly wanted Daniel and his friends and all the other Hebrew children to bow down and worship. So the Antichrist is evidently going to get the people to worship himself. And somehow this may itself be an abomination of desolation. Many of us think that that's going to take place in a rebuilt temple during the tribulation. That's a subject for debate, whether or not that will be done or not. But anyway, the sign, this sign that we're looking at, is so terrible that it is called the abomination of desolation. It is also a terrible sign in that Israel is told to flee, and to flee immediately. If we go back to our text in Mark, at the end of verse number 14, then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him that is on the housetop not come down into the house. Oriental homes, they had that house top. It's like a porch or whatever on top of the house, stairway coming down outside the house. And then don't come down and go back into, this is an urgent thing, get out of there. Don't go back into your home from the field. Just go. Flee. So flee immediately. Eminent danger, the urgency of it. You are to forget the comforts of your home, any personal possessions. All of those don't matter anyway when it comes to eternity. And then uh, he said, Woe to those that are with child and to them that give suck in those days because they can't flee as fast, and pray ye that uh, your flight be not in the winter. So those kinds of things here uh, agree for those who cannot flee rapidly, pictured by the pregnant women and small children. But fleeing immediately, and then uh, praying that your, your flight be not in the winter, uh, in the winter or on the Sabbath day. In other words, that the conditions would be right for fleeing. In these two times, there are records of the history of of the Jews. I think especially during the AD 70, when they did have to flee from the city of Jerusalem. And they went to some small towns, I can't remember where, someplace in the Decapolis. Remember the ten cities? So it's a little bit away from Jerusalem to get away from the Romans who were destroying the city of Jerusalem. So, again, a precursor to what is taking place. In the book of Revelation, we read about the four horse riders, and then following the four horse rider is the fifth seal, and that is the seal where there is persecution. Uh, Revelation 6, 9, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altars the souls of men that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So, this tells us there's persecution in the first half of the tribulation. It's not going to wait until the abomination of desolation in the middle of the tribulation. The first half of the tribulation is a terrible time. And yet, Jesus calls it the beginning of sorrows. So there's trouble, trial, famine, earthquakes, war, rumors of war, deception of course. And this persecution of anyone who believes God's word. And Jews who would be saved, Jews, 
would be persecuted for their faith in the Lord. So that persecution is going to go on throughout the tribulation, throughout the whole seven-year period of the, of the tribulation. And so there is a flight, but evidently at the abomination of desolation, it's a thrust uh, to extinguish the Jews. I mean, we already have that attitude, right? From many peoples in the world today, they want to extinguish the Jewish nation. So evidently that will be more of a thrust in that day at the abomination of desolation. Whatever the abomination of desolation is, the person, event, whatever, who or what it is, is targeted at the nation of Israel. You can't help miss that, I don't think, from Daniel's prophecy. And so those who are fleeing are basically the persecuted Jews. All right. Now, in Revelation 6, I don't think it's just Jews that are being persecuted here. It's anyone who is coming to know the Lord, whether Jew or Gentile. Now we come to another description here. This sign of the abomination of desolation is such a terrible t- sign. It causes horrifying and unparalleled affliction. We don't have it recorded so much in Mark's Gospel. But we have to go back to Matthew, Matthew 24. Mark did say that the first part was the beginning of sorrows. We have the wars and the rumors of wars and so forth in verses 4 through 14. But notice the phrase in verse 8, All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. That's the persecution corresponding to the fifth seal of Revelation 6. And then verse 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Very similar to what Mark records. So the abomination of desolation has something to do with the holy place. Probably something similar to what Titus did in offering that sow upon the altar. Then let them which are in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him that is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. Pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. That phrase is added by Matthew. For then shall be great tribulation. Those are the words of Matthew. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. Now Mark doesn't call it great tribulation. He says such, similar to what Matthew says. It's all the words of Jesus, of course. Just recorded by Matthew, recorded by Mark. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be. So, from this, we can see that the first half of the tribulation is the beginning of sorrows. Like the trouble that comes to a woman who is in travail, the birth of the child is not yet. Then comes the birth of the child, and that to me corresponds to Revelation 12 and 13. Then you have the abomination of desolation, whatever that event is, and then the fleeing, and then great tribulation. 
So the second half of the tribulation is of greater tribulation than the first half of the tribulation. Now, when we use the phrase, the great tribulation, we refer to all seven years. And I think rightly so. But, I think it's proper also to recognize the second half of the tribulation is going to be of greater trouble and trial than the second half of the tribulation. So when I read the book of Revelation, let's go back there again, I see these seals being opened in chapter 6 and causing trouble for particularly the nation of Israel. The whole world is going to be affected by it. We have the witness of the remnant of 144,000 in chapter 7, and then we have the trumpet judgments beginning in chapter 8. I think that's still part of the first half of the tribulation. And by the time you get to the vile judgments, and I think where do they begin? Uh, chapter 16 or something? You're in the second half of the tribulation. Those to me, because of what Jesus says in the Olivet Discourse, are of greater intensity than the troubles presented by the seals and the trumpets. Not to say that the seals and the trumpets are a picnic. Now, let's go back to Revelation 12. Chapter 12, you have three appearances. There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth. Okay, so here's the picture of the travail of the woman. She's pained to be delivered. She's about to give birth to her child. Alright, and so the beginning parts are the beginnings of those sorrows. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Okay, while she's giving, trying to give birth to this uh, child, the second wonder is the great red dragon. He's going to be defined and identified as you move into uh, through the rest of that chapter and into chapter three, and the, the or chapter thirteen. The woman, I think, is Israel giving birth to Christ. Okay, not Mary giving birth to Christ, but Israel, because Israel is going to flee like this woman in this will flee. So the dragon is the devil. He, we have no problem identifying him because of verse number nine and following. Alright, so let's read verse 3, uh, Revelation 12:3. There appeared another woman, in, a wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of the heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered. Okay, she hadn't given birth yet, uh, but ready to, and to devour her child as soon as he was born. Well, that's exactly what Satan's been trying to do all along, is to uh, destroy the Christ child. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness. That's Israel, fleeing into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days for the rest of the tribulation. And there was war in heaven in the meantime, uh, with Michael fighting against the dragon, standing up for the people of God, for the nation of Israel. Jump ahead to verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. So we have greater persecution of Israel now 
in the uh, after this red dragon, who's Satan, is thrusting his uh, efforts upon Israel. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness. Picture, I think, of God protecting Israel, as he's done many times uh, throughout Israel's history, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a times, again, that's the second half of the tribulation, from the face of the serpent. The serpent, of course, is the dragon. And the serpent casts out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I think he's talking about saved Jews there during the tribulation. Now at that point, Revelation 13 introduces us to the beasts, the two beasts, all right, who are, of course, empowered by the great dragon. This is, I think, where the Antichrist breaks his covenant with Israel stands up now instead of for Israel, but against Israel, as the dragon, the beast would be empowered by the dragon, as the, the, the dragon, Satan, tries to destroy Israel. So, you read those verses in chapter 13, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea and having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns, ten crowns and upon his head the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and the mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. The Antichrist is trying to be like Christ, having a deadly wound that was healed. So evidently some form of a resurrection. Don't all know how that's going to take place. All the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. That's similar to what Daniel says. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, second half of the tribulation. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name in his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Now we as present day saints will be raptured, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We won't be there. So these are tribulation saints he's talking about. And to overcome them. So the persecution continues throughout the tribulation. Power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names were not written in the book uh, of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth the sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And then there's the introduction of the second beast, the false prophet, who aids the first beast. That's the middle of the tribulation. That's when I think the abomination of the desolation takes place. Notice that the book of Revelation is called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, So you have the introduction of the dragon, the beast, and the second beast. Just quickly look at chapter 14. 
And I looked, John said, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. We need to see Jesus in the pages of Scripture everywhere, especially in the book of Revelation. Okay, so, it's terrible in that it is an unparalleled event. Great tribulation, it's called, by Matthew. This whole time is horrifying, unparalleled, trouble, trial the world has never seen before. Alright? Now we go back to uh, Mark's gospel on this. Mark chapter 13 and verse 20. And except the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. It's such a terrible time that God has to intervene and shorten the days of the tribulation. This is Dr. Lee Hennice, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached the church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again. <music>